Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. As you guys know, we're going to start a new series today. Are you pumped? I'm pumped. I'm excited. Relationships are important. Yeah. You know, we have relationships with our friends, relationships with our family, relationships with our spouse, mm-hmm. girlfriend. I know some of you are here and saying, well, I'm not there yet, but we will be. And God has called us to have healthy relationships. Definitely. So that's a little bit about what we're going to be doing for the next month. So make sure we're, we're going to start off today laying the foundation. And we're going to be talking to the single people. Where are the single people at? Jesus. Where are the single people at? We need the single ladies anthem here. (laughs) Uh, And then we're going to have another Sunday where we're going to be talking about what the Bible says about marriage and and different types of relationships. We're going to get into toxic relationships because sometimes we have people around us that are toxic and we don't know how to break that relationship because it's not doing us any good. On the contrary, it's pulling us further from God or further from the people that we love. So it's going to be interesting. We're going to be Obviously, doing all of this according to what the Bible says, Mm -hmm. and we have something special that we want to let you guys know about. Yeah, we've made these little uh, cardstock uh, notes. During these four weeks, as we're ministering on these different topics that Pastor Jonathan was talking about, if you have any questions that may arise, any concerns, questions, or, or anything, you can just jot them down. You don't have to write your name on it or anything. You just can write down these questions. You can turn them in. We're going to leave them towards the front, right on the desk. As you're exiting out, you can write these questions down. And in our last day of the series, in four weeks, we're going to have a Q&A. So we're going to be answering your questions, your needs, whatever they may be. But I encourage you guys, don't stay silent. You know, it's great to ask questions if we didn't already answer them while we were discussing these topics. So we just want to encourage you that you... Just fill these out and you can turn them in the next time that next Sunday when you come in. And if you're too lazy to be able to pick up a pen and put it on paper, you could also send it to our Twitter at JTP Church using this hashtag. You can send your questions to AskPJPK. PJ for Pastor Jonathan, PK for Pastor Carlos. So that's pretty simple. You guys could either tweet them or you guys could just fill out one of these. And we're going to have a bucket. I asked Charlie to bring a bucket. You could put it over there by the envelopes. So... Maybe we could ask Jesus to pass one out. As a matter of fact, I think we got enough for everybody here. So if you want to just give one to every single person here. And, and again, this is not just for today. It's going to be throughout all four weeks that we're going to be touching upon relationships. All right. So I encourage you guys to ask your questions. We want to know what you're thinking. We're going to touch upon a lot of things, Carly, but it's important to know what your questions are. Yeah, absolutely. It's better to just uh, ask it and not stay in silence. And like I said, sometimes a lot of these questions will be answered while we're ministering and bringing the word. But any need, that's what we are here for. We believe that there's truth here and we're going to be speaking on the word of God. And I believe that questions will be answered. And I just believe that this series is going to be just a complete blessing for every single one of us, no matter what season we are in our lives. Amen. Who's excited? All right, put your hands together for this beautiful woman of God. I'm going to take the first part, and then she's going to have her part in just a few more minutes. And I want to start off by saying this, and I'm going to establish the foundation here. Every relationship, the only way to build unsinkable relationships is if you do things God's way. Can we all agree on that? We were looking for a topic for this series on relationships, and I don't know, I had the, since relationship ends with ship, I had the idea of a ship, and I thought about keeping our relationships afloat. But then I run it by my editor here, (laughs) my proofreader, and she says, well, staying afloat is like barely making it, right? It has that type of connotation. So obviously we look for something else. So we decided to call it building unsinkable relationships. How many know that storms come in any relationship, in the capacity of a friendship, in the capacity of courting the relationships, dating, when we're married? Every relationship goes through storms, but the important thing is how to, Make sure that it doesn't sink. You don't want your boat to sink in the midst of the relationship. So the only way to do that, everybody say, is doing things God's way. So from the start, what we're going to do during these four weeks is take everything to the Word of God, to the Bible. What does the Bible have to say? And God has a lot to say with respect to dating, with respect to relationships, with respect to friendships and marriage. All right, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, Relationships, 
the way two or more people regard and behave towards each other. And failed relationships, and I'm sure a lot of you guys could be witness to this, failed relationships cause a lot of pain. Am I right? Raise your hand if you ever had a relationship that's failed, that's gone rogue, probably started off right, but didn't end right. Something happened along the way. Did it cause pain or not? If it's a family relationship, I mean, families are your closest of kin, right? The people that love you, that have your back. And sometimes when things go wrong in those relationships, you know, it's like we've had situations where we've gotten into arguments or stuff like that. And I feel bad. I, I could be at work and it's like I'm not at peace. Something's wrong because I know I have to go home and then we had an argument or a disagreement about something and we got to patch it up. But while I'm working, it's like, man, it's like a, a burden over me. Why? Because failed relationships cause a lot of pain and they cause heartache. For relationships to flourish, both parties need to work consciously to master the skills. So touch the person next to you and tell them, if you want relationships to work, it takes work to make it work. We have to work. It's not something that happens by default. Relationships must be nurtured. We have to invest in them. And when we do, and when we do it God's way, then things start happening and relationships start flourishing. If we don't have our relationship with God right, and if we don't have our relationship with ourselves right, then our relationship with others cannot be right. So that's important. If your relationship with God is not right, it's not where it should be, let's drop everything and let's start there. How's my relationship with God? Once our relationship with God is fine, once you know your identity and you've accepted yourself and you know who you are in Christ, then you can start working in other relationships. Some people have failed relationships after failed relationships after failed relationships. And, and sometimes it's not the other person the problem. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe you have things that you need to work inside of you because you haven't forgiven other people that have done things to you in the past. So these are all things that we have to understand that if we're going to start building something, we have to make sure that God is the center of our life. How many say amen? That our relationship with him is right and our relationship with ourselves is fine. If we've made mistakes in the past, we've forgiven ourselves and we're not letting mistakes from the past affect our present or affect our future. And that's when we can begin constructing. So as the title implies, today we're going to be focusing on all the single ladies. The single ladies make some noise. That was a little bit better than the time before. All right, single, single guys, single the gentlemen, make some noise. Any married people here in the house? Married, we got a few, we got a few, okay. <laughs> For all the, all the married couples, we're going to get to you in just a little bit. So as the title implies, today we're going to be talking to all the single people. Matthew 6, verse 31, 32. Let's get started. I titled today's sermon, The Quest for the One. The Quest for the One. Matthew 6, 31. I think Javier read this. You stole my notes, man. Matthew 6, 31, verse 32, and sometimes we don't, we don't use this when it comes to relationships, but it applies to it. It says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, or the people that don't know God, they seek. These are the things that people that don't know God worry about. But we that know God, we shouldn't worry about things. What, what's going to happen tomorrow? Who am I going to marry? It gives specific things here that it's referring to, like what shall we eat? It's talking about provision. Uh, what shall we drink? You know, what, about money. What's going to happen to my future? What am I going to be when I grow up? What am I going to be when I'm married? What am I going to be doing for the rest of my life? So we worry about things like that. But people of God, says the author here, we shouldn't worry about that. Who am I going to marry? That's not something that you should worry about. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So tell the person next to you, God knows what you need. He knows what you need better than what you know. He knows what's your perfect fit. How many of you guys have ever literally done a list of all the things that you want the person that you're going to get married with for them to have? A list of qualities. All right, how many papers was that? How many front and back? Huh? Font size seven, about 20 pages. <laughs> Man, God knows the perfect person for you. And that's not, it's not wrong to do that. I had my list when I was looking for the person that I was going to marry. And Carly satisfied all of them and then more. Because God knew better. There's a lot of things that I didn't have in my list that God 
you know, brought in the form of Carly. I'm like, wow, God, yeah, that's right. I forgot to ask about that. Should have asked about that. So God is telling us, wherever you are right now, whether you're 17, 27, 37, don't worry about this because God knows that you have a need. God knows. How many believe that? It's one thing to say it, but another thing, it's to believe it. Sometimes we think that God is not aware of our needs as people. And we're going to get a little bit into this. In verse 34, it says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day its own troubles. All right? So you have enough on your plate with stuff that you're going through today to start adding to that plate about things that are going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're going to have time to worry about that day. But don't worry today about things that are going to come tomorrow. Amen? And, and I think that we can apply this to relationships. God doesn't want you to be obsessed about, and, and sometimes it's not even an obsession, it's fear. Sometimes we fear that, man, what if I marry the wrong person? What if my marriage is going to end up like my parents' marriage? If you had a bad example of a marriage and maybe your parents didn't know Christ and you didn't have the privilege of having both of your parents knowing Christ and seeing a bad example and, and you're afraid, you can't let fear in. You have to know that God loves you, that God has your back, and that he doesn't want you to worry because he knows what are your needs. Amen? That from the start gives us some confidence in knowing that, man, my father knows the needs that I have and he could supply them according to his riches and glory. So I wrote down a few questions that we ask ourselves sometimes. Maybe you can relate to one of them. Does God really care about who I marry? I'm sure some of you guys have asked that. Is my waiting period part of his plan, or is this just a side effect of culture confused about marriage? Why, why, what is taking God too long? Why is he delaying since I grew up in the church? I've always received a good testimony of what a marriage in Christ should be from my parents. They've always loved each other. They're always there. I wouldn't hear fights at home. They've had their disagreements, but they've never raised their voice at each other, and so since I was little, I wanted to get married. It's something that I wanted to look for. I want to find that person that I could settle down with and be happy for the rest of my life and make lots of babies and, right? Since, since we're working on it. We're working on it. We could use some of y'all prayers. Kidding. <laughs> no. Since I was very little, I wanted to get married young. So I wanted to get married when I was 20 years old. And I asked God, God, when I'm 20 years old, I want to be married. I want to get married young, start having my kids young so I can play football with them. By the time they're 20, I'm just 40. And it's like, didn't happen that way. You know, I'm 40 right now. And my son's three years old. So we got, we got to hurry, babe. <laughs> but sometimes you worry. And I experienced that. And I would worry. And I'm like, why is it taking so long, God? Where is it? And, and along the way, I made mistakes. I had other girlfriends before and ended up brokenhearted in one relationship, ended up breaking another girl's heart in another relationship. So it's, it's horrible. And when we don't realize, when we don't understand that God knows what we need, just chill out, serve God, go to school, do everything that you have to do right now. And don't worry about tomorrow because God knows the perfect person and he's going to bring it in the perfect time if we're doing the right thing. How many say amen? amen. So that's important. Another question, is marriage... A standard issue agreement ordained by God, or is he interested in my specific choice? Do I get to pick, or does God pick for me? Right? We have a lot of questions that we ask ourselves. And the answers to these questions will deeply affect how you view God and his involvement in your life. God is involved in the dating process. We're going to see that in just a bit. All these questions will impact how you go about relationships, and it also affect the way you live while you're waiting. Don't allow all these things that you're waiting to happen in the future that you're longing for keep you from doing what you should be doing right now and from the calling that God has in this season of your life. You're so busy living, and this is not just for dating. This happens all the time. I've seen people say, well, I'm going to start serving God once I get married. And then once they get married, they see the responsibilities of marriage. They're like, well, I don't have time now. I'll start serving God once I settle down and I have kids. And then they have kids. And they're like, my gosh, if I thought I had little time back then, now, now I have even less. Now I have kids. I'll serve God when they go out. And there's, they're always postponing their today. And God says, don't worry about the things of tomorrow. I have them under control. In my due time, it's going to be the perfect person that's going to compliment you. So I want to encourage you guys to trust in God with respect to this, all the single ladies and all the single guys. So let me start with a bold declaration for all my single people today. I want you to go to Proverbs 18.22. Some people don't even want to get married nowadays because they think it's something that's 
not good. They've seen so many bad examples. They see the statistics of people that have failed at marriage because they don't do things God's way. I don't want to risk being that 50% that probably doesn't make it, so I'd rather not get married. But look what Proverbs 18, says. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Everybody say, finding a wife, or if you're a lady, finding a husband, is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. So right there from the start, we can reject that idea that society has lifted up nowadays that marriage is wrong or marriage is a bad thing. It's a good thing. Everybody say, it's a good thing. And not only that, not only do you find a good thing, and you obtain favor from the Lord. So it's a good thing. And on top of that, God gives you favor. How many of you guys want God's favor? That means that anything you could ever need, you have God behind you, opening up doors and blessing you. So finding a wife for the gentleman and finding a husband for the ladies is a good thing and it brings favor from the Lord. Have you guys ever had somebody rave about a certain food that you were eating or an experience and they go, you gotta try it, you gotta try it. Man, it's, it's amazing, try this, try this. I have had Carly literally put stuff in my mouth. I do the same to her, by the way. <laughs> she, she likes something and she's like, you gotta try it, baby, you gotta try it. And then when you try it, it's horrendous. Has it ever happened to you? It's like, ugh. No, just me? Raise your hand if it's, oh, okay. We think that other people are going to like exactly what we like, but it's not the case. But when God says that something is good, he doesn't fail. When God says finding a good wife or finding a wife for the husbands and finding a husband for the wives is good, you can know that it's going to be good. You don't have to have doubts about that. You know it's good if you do things his way. Here's a foundational truth for you in case that declaration wasn't enough. Moments right after creation, God took a personal interest in Adam. As you guys know, he first created Adam in the garden. He put him in the garden. And Genesis 2.18, he starts seeing his creation. Everything God created was what? Good. When he would look at it and stand back and say, wow, I created the heavens and the earth. I did a pretty good job. Everything was good. But after a close observation of Adam, he starts seeing Adam, and Adam didn't have much to do, aside from the job that God gave him. So he was there, but he didn't have anybody to share it with. In Genesis 2.18, God said this to himself. He says, it's not good that man should be alone. Pay attention to those words. It's not good that man should be alone. He started looking at Adam and he says, look, I made this amazing thing. I made him to my likeness and my image. This guy's creative. He's, he embodies everything, most of the things that I am. And it's an amazing creation. He was perfect. He was an eternal being before Adam sinned and Eve sinned. They were eternal beings. There were people a lot closer to what God was than what we are nowadays because of sin. So he's like, man, I did a great job, but something's missing here. Something's, I don't know, but he's, he's lonely. It's not good that man should be alone. So I want you to find a freaked out single person around you and I want you to tell them, God sees our needs. Adam didn't say a word. Adam didn't even know what God was up to or what God could do. He was the first created being. There was nobody else in the planet. And he was just doing his things. But God says, look, something's wrong. Something's missing here. And God saw a need. You don't think that God sees a need in you? When you are desiring a wife, which is a good thing. We just finished reading that in Proverbs. If you're a gentleman or desiring a husband because you're already, you know, you went to school, you feel that it's time to settle down and, and, and you want that, that guy. That's a good thing. And God knows that it's good to not be alone. It's not good for a man to be alone. So God did not create humans to live in isolation. He designed us to long for and experience companionship and love. It's built in. We're wired for companionship. We're wired for love. That's our default. God created us to be like that. We're, we are relational beings. We long to be loved, to be accepted, to share things with other people. That's normal. He had compassion towards Adam's loneliness. And I can trust that he sees your needs today in JTP Church. I can trust that he sees our needs. And not only did God see the needs... He responded to it in a specific way. And right there, and we're still in Genesis chapter 2, it says, I will make a helper suitable for him. 
So when he first sees the need, Adam doesn't have much to do. He has a lot of work, but then he gets home and he eats and he just lays back and looks at the stars. No TV back then, no Xfinity, no, no Netflix, no nothing like that. So what is he going to do? I see him too lonely. So God saw a need, but he responded to the need the way he's going to respond for your need. If you trust him, he responds. And he told him, you know what? I have an idea. I will make him a helper. And I love what follows. Suitable for him. When God gives us the right person and when you understand and you do things the right way, God is going to send the person that's suitable to your needs. It's a person that's going to complement you perfectly. Perfectly, just like he did to Adam. The Bible says, you guys know the story, he put Adam to sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took a rib. I don't know how he did that. Weird. We'll find out. We'll ask him in heaven. But the Bible says this. I mean, I just got to go with it. Took the rib and he made Eve out of the rib. And when Adam saw Eve, he was like, what in the world is this? And she was naked too. I mean, there was no sin back then. So it was, imagine, he almost fell back. And besides the whole physical aspect of that, it was a person that met and suitable for his specific needs. And I want to tell you today, number one, know that he who finds a wife and she who finds a husband, that's a good thing. Number two, God knows your needs. And number three, he has somebody that will meet that need perfectly. If you try to do things in your own way and in your own time, you might mess stuff up. This applies to everybody that's single, whether you're single because you've never married or if you're divorced and you're looking forward to restart your life. I mean, God has a person for you. And he has a person that's going to meet every single need that you have, no matter how many mistakes you made in the past. If you start doing things God's way and if you start letting God heal all the wounds of the past and trusting him for this, it's going to happen. How many say amen? So suitable, God made him a perfect match, someone that will complement him perfectly. God established marriage as the antidote to a basic human need. And he's concerned about your individual fit. He's concerned about the things that you consider important. And that's why sometimes, you know, when I met Carly, there was a lot of things that I didn't write down in the list. But I'm like, wow, God, you went above and beyond what I expected. And I had a extensive list too. I'm not going to tell you what size font I used, but it was extensive. God just surprised me in so many ways, and he does that. Anybody here like romantic comedies? Raise your hand. Yeah, I see a few guys courageously raising their hands. I join you. I join you. I love romantic comedies. That feeling of butterflies in your stomach is not just meant to be limited in movies, because sometimes we think, oh, you know, that's just a Hollywood movie. You know, it stirs up your emotion. But no, I mean, God wants you to feel that, not just while you're dating even. God wants you to feel butterflies in your stomach when you're 80 years old and you got to put on your dentures. That's something that always has to grow inside of us. Whatever was your experience at home, unfortunately, some of us have had bad experiences. But God, when he says that he has the person for you, you have to, you have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he does. And let's take this a little bit further. God is a romantic. I'll prove it to you. God is a romantic. What are your expectations about romance? Think about that. Because sometimes we have all these qualities and all these things that we put on our list. But what are your expectations for that person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, with respect to romance? He didn't create Adam and Eve just to have sex and have many babies and fill the earth. That wasn't the whole package. If you read throughout the Bible, you're going to find a bunch of stories that hint at God's romantic nature. I wrote down a few of them. You guys remember Rebecca and Isaac? And all of a sudden, here's Abraham, right, the father of the faith. And Abraham says, well, Isaac is uh, about 40 years old and he ain't married. I'm going to have to step in. And he sent his servant to go look for a wife for Isaac, his son. And, I mean, it's a long story. There's a whole camel watering episode there that's kind of weird. <laughs> but when the server sees this lady, she's beautiful. Rebecca was beautiful. The Bible says that she was one of the most beautiful women in the land. And he sees her and he says, that's, that's the one. 
So he takes her back and, and here it is. Here's the encounter and, and Isaac is waiting. I wonder who this guy's going to bring. I hope she has all her teeth. You know, he's, I don't know what his, ex, his expectations were. But here it is. Isaac, he sees Rebecca and Rebecca sees Isaac and sparks fly. And, and there's romance in all that. How many say amen? And the Bible says, Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebecca. So she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. His mother died, but this relationship, this Rebecca, she comforted him, right? It talks about romance. He loved her, right? It's not just about making babies and just getting through, you know. Marriage is not supposed to be like that. I don't know what example you saw or, or what you've heard, but God's idea of marriage, it's bliss. Sometimes you come tired from working and you're supposed to get home and it's supposed to be ah, an oasis, right? Songs of Solomon, he offers a blush-worthy description of physical attraction. It gets really, it's not even PG-13, it gets R. So we'll leave that for the married couple session. Uh, but you see it written down in Songs of Solomon. He starts describing the girl and, and all her, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and you find bonafide girl talk in Ruth, the book of Ruth. It's pretty romantic also when King David intentionally seeks out the virtuous Abigail. Her husband had died and he goes and he conquers her and he makes her his wife, right? So there's a lot of stories in the Bible that hint at God's romantic nature. This is something that God wants for you and it's something that you should desire. After waiting so long, we sell ourselves shorts. And maybe there's some young ladies here that say, well, you know what? As long as he's a godly man and he has a J-O-B, I'll settle. God will give you what you ask for. We settle. We end up settling, whether it's because time has passed or because you've lost your faith. But man, you know what? God wants you to find that person that's going to make you happy. And there has to be romance included. The very scenario of God sending his son to be our sacrifice and ultimately our bridegroom speaks of his romantic nature, right? He loved us so much that he gave something that was huge for him because he loved us. So God is a romantic. Society, unfortunately, defines romance different from the committed and sacrificial romantic love that God advocates. Romance is not eyes crossing paths and resulting in an electric jolt our eyes met and that's it it was there love at first sight romance in the bible it's more like boaz you guys remember the story of boaz hearing of ruth's outstanding character notching her in the field pouring out special favor over her protecting her from his men and ultimately becoming her kinsman redeemer as you can see the second romantic scenario here contains a lot more substance than the first god wants you to find that knight in shining armor and the lady said <laughs> Gosh, man, work with me here. Trust versus God versus passivity. I want to talk to you about that. Trusting God does not mean do nothing. There's some people that think that, oh, no, I'm just going to leave it to God. And they think that God literally is going to drop her from an, a helicopter. She's going to parachute down on your doorstep. Or the, or the ladies as well. You know, trust in God does not mean do not do anything. If you're hungry... You don't wait for a meal to come to you, or do you? What do you do? Right? You work, you make money, and then you go, you make it, you cook, you put the ingredients together, or at least you go through a drive-thru, you order something, but you have to do the work. You don't just wish it and it happens, boom, you know, a nice steak right there. No, you actually have to get up and do stuff for food. If you want a job, what do you got to do? You got to go and find one. You got to apply for the job. You got to do the work. They're not going to come knocking, hey, we need you. We need exactly what you are offering. They don't even know what you're offering because you didn't get your resume out. So you have to go out. Well, if you want to get married, you need to take initiative with members of the opposite sex by building healthy relationships. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, ask a girl for the number, you know. Just do it. Add some swag to your game, you know. Don't just, excuse me, don't be so robotic, you know, just a little bit. And you need to do something, you know, God, I'm still waiting. You haven't brought the, well, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you need to build healthy relationships. You need to do something about it. God's not going to do all the work for you. I want to finish off this session with advice for the single people. Since we're talking today just for the singles, I'm going to start off 
for everybody in general. Then I'll talk to the guys and then I'll have Carly come over here and give a few pointers for the ladies. Go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. This is so important. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. And it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship or what relationship does a righteous person have with a lawless person? And what communion does light have with darkness? Let's read it again. Once again, so it could sink in. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship or what relationship does righteousness and lawlessness have? And what communion does light have with darkness? So I want to illustrate this a little bit because, you know, sometimes when we read the older versions of the Bible, we don't understand certain things, especially if we have no idea about agriculture. But this word yoke, I asked uh, Brandy if she could put up a picture. We have it. Just so you guys could get an idea of what a yoke is. This is a yoke right here. The purpose of a yoke. Putting two animals. And the purpose of this is that you tie something in this middle hole as the two animals start walking. There's going to be an instrument, plow, that's going to start opening up the field so that later the farmer could come and he could sow the seeds. So these two animals are carrying the yoke. They're walking. And as they walk, whatever's dragging, it's opening a hole in the field. That way, you know, the farmer can sow. Now, I've heard people say, I don't know much about this, but from other people, when you put two animals here, you can't put two young animals because it gets too crazy. (laughs) This one has, you know, they're all strong and they're young, but they have no experience. So the young one, one wants to go one direction, the other one wants to go in the other direction. So what they recommend is to put an old, mature, and experienced ox on one side so that they could train the younger one. So you got the old, mature one and the younger one. That way, when they're doing the hole for the planting of the seeds, it's not just a zigzag, but it runs on a straight line. When God is saying here, don't be yoked together with unbelievers, picture this as a marriage. And then you have a believer, you have a person that knows Christ, that knows everything that God wants to do. But then you have, you have another person that does not know Christ. It's an unbeliever. If you guys get married, if you even start entertaining a relationship, the option of courting or, or dating or whatever, it's going to be hell because you're going to be pulling for one side and the other person's going to be pulling for something else. You've been taught that serving God is a blessing. You've been taught that doing things God's way is going to open the doors for you and it's going to bless your relationship. So you're, you're doing the right thing, but the other person's not pulling the same way. That causes strain on the marriage. If you're trying to go one way and the other person is trying to go the other way, there's a lot of resistance and it makes life hard. So God is telling you before you choose that person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with or before you even start a relationship, make sure that person is not an unbeliever. Make sure that person knows Christ, that they love God at the same level that you are, that they're as committed to God as you are because if that happens then you know what it's all gonna work perfectly you're gonna always walk in the same direction obviously we're gonna have disagreements here and there because there's two people coming into one but marriage is gonna be beautiful it's gonna be blissful why because we're doing things God's way and this is where a lot of young people sometimes make mistakes because they're like oh you know what but I'm he's just so cute and he's, he's so good to me, and he always brings me flowers, and he does this, and, and he posted a beautiful thing on Facebook about me. Or, it's like, well, does he, does he love God? Does he know God? No, 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 but I'll convince him to come to church. I'm like, wild animal <laughs> and believer. <laughs> Wait, I don't say that. God says it. God says it. If you want to save yourself from heartache tomorrow, do things God's way. The first thing I said today when I got the microphone is, if we want relationships to be a blessing and we want our marriage to be good, let's do things God's way. Because he has the perfect, he created the institution of marriage. Let me go further. Before there was even a church, before he instituted the institution of church, he instituted marriage. It's the first institution. So God, you think God believes in marriage? Of course. It's the first thing he created after he created Adam. He says, well, something's missing here. He didn't create a church so that Adam could preach to the animals. What did he, he created Eve. So he created an institution of marriage. So God knows how it works because he created it. 
So the best advice I could give you guys, to single people today, look, don't, don't look left, don't look to the right. Find a person that loves God, that's filled with the Holy Spirit, that serves God. Amen? Because that's important. And when that happens, you're both going to be walking together in the right direction. All right, let me talk a little bit to the guys here. The gentlemen. If you're ready for a courting relationship, speak to the girl. Tell her of your intentions. Telepathy has not been invented yet. That I know. But they don't know what your desires are. I mean, they could, they could guess with your looks. Maybe you're, I don't know, some people have looks, you know. It's not going to cut it. You need to speak to the girl. Tell her what your intentions are. Hey, you know what? I think you're, you're very attractive. And I love to get to know you better. You know, just, just start off, you know. Invite her to a Starbucks or... Just get the ball moving, you know. Start off slow. You know, don't ask her to marry you right there. You'll freak her out. She'll never see you again. But you have to speak. You have to tell them of your intentions. Some guys think, well, I'll just give her my deadly look. And I'll have her all wrapped up. The blue, the blue steel. You guys saw Zoolander? Blue steel. And I'll have her all wrapped up. It doesn't work that way. She'll think you're weird, man. Another thing, speak to your pastors when you have somebody in your heart and, you know, you've been getting to know that person and you want to take it to the next level. Speak to your pastors. Tell them, look, pastor, I have this situation. I really like this young lady. Or if both of you have already talked, come to your pastor so they could bless that relationship. Now, more than ever, I see people doing this less and less and less. When, when I was dating, it's like, man, if you didn't do that, it's, something's wrong. It's like you want it. God's blessing over something that you're starting. I'm starting this relationship with this person. So I, I want my spiritual leaders to bless it. Come to your pastors. I love when young couples come and say, you know what, we've been talking. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> and this all happened uh, when? <laughs> I didn't see this coming. And, and it's beautiful when it happens, you know, with people in church, you know, that you've seen them grow up in church and, and they come and they start dating and, and then you pray over them. That's the right way to do things, right? Tell your pastors, your leaders, your youth leaders, your apostles, hey, ask them for advice. That's what we're here for. You know, what's the right way? I want to make sure that, you know, I don't want to waste my time and hurt people's feelings and I don't want to have a, a record of, you know, 10 girlfriends and nothing ever happens and every single time we break up, somebody leaves the church and, you know, what? I, I want to make sure that the next person is the right person. And it's going to be forever. And it's going to be for marriage. So death do us part and then forever and ever in God's presence, right? Pick pastor's minds. Pick your leader's mind. People that have experience, the apostles. Man, one of the benefits of our church is, I'm not saying this because it's my parents, but they've had an amazing, amazing relationship. So pick their minds. You, you think that if you stop them, you know, when... The apostle's always walking around. So if I just stop him saying, you know what, can I ask you? He'll, he'll do it. He'll talk to you and ask for advice. You know, what's the secret of, you know, having been successful and happily married for 42 years? They'll give you some advice. So make sure you ask and you stop people. Also, guys, before you ask her to be your girlfriend, ask for her dad's permission. I know some people are saying, old school, old school. That's, we don't do that anymore, but... I needed to speak to Mr. Rolando Machado <laughs> when I went to conquer Carly. I'm like, look, these are my intentions. I'm not messing around. Parents love that. When you do things shady, and if you're a young man, right, and I'm talking to the guys, you don't talk to her parents about your intentions. They're going to always be coming up with conclusions, and maybe they're not the right ones. But talk to them. Tell them, I'm attracted to your daughter, and we want to see the possibility of taking this to another level. Just hear him out and be a man about it. Fathers, as intimidating as they may seem, they like that. You go and you talk to them and you put it all down. My dad always talks about the example when he went to speak to my grandfather, my mom's father, to ask for her hand in marriage. And he was more nervous than my father, my grandfather was. So he asked to speak to him and my grandfather was reading the newspaper upside down. My dad always tells the story. And he was reading the newspaper upside down. My dad was, he's always been bold since he was little. He said, no, these are my intentions. I love Stella. I want this to be a serious relationship. I'm not going to be messing around with other girls. I want you to know this is serious. And that's why I'm talking to you. 
and letting you know what my intentions are. This is so important. You need to talk to their parents. You need to talk to your spiritual parents, your pastors, like we said. This is a good way to start the relationship. I'll have them pray over you. Guys need to be intentional and take on all the risk of rejection. Another point. Ladies, if he hasn't spoken to you about his intentions and he already tried to kiss you, that's a boy bye right there. Because that means they want no responsibility, but they want all the privileges. What are your intentions? Whoa, whoa, wait. Slow down your roll right there. What are your intentions? Talk to me. Because we haven't spoken. You just had a, a moment and let's take things slow. What are your intentions with it? A guy needs to always let the girl know where he stands so she feels secure. Women need to feel secure that you're not just using them. What is this that we have? Are we friends? Are we? Let's be clear. Also, use your single days. Guys, use your single days to clear up your act. Clear up your act. It's a lie that once you find the right girl, all your problems go away. It doesn't happen that way. You need to make sure that God completes you. God is the one who completes you. What was that movie, Jerry Maguire? Renee Zellweger? Then she says, you complete me, Jerry. <laughs> it, was, it was a good quote. I mean, a lot of people passed it on, but it's not the truth. God completes you. You need to make sure that God completes you, that you're confident in who you are as a man, as a woman, and then two confident people come together, and it's amazing when you do things God's way. But here comes a guy that's been beat around by a lot of problems, a lot of burdens. You're, you have unforgiveness and you have all these burdens that you're carrying and you find the girl and you think that when you find the girl, you're going to get all these burdens and you're going to cast them on her and she's going to carry them for you. What you didn't know is that she had burdens and baggage of her own. And then it becomes a baggage fest. I mean, she has baggage, you have baggage. And instead of being a good relationship, it's just a burden for both of you. Why? Because you didn't take your stuff to God. She's not your savior. She's supposed to be your helpmate. She's going to make you happy and you're going to make her happy. That's your role. But who's going to complete you? God. How many say amen? If you're not motivated enough to grow in maturity and pursue godliness, then you're not ready to pursue a woman. You need to make sure that you're pursuing God, pursuing godliness. You are only worth following if you're following God. So, ladies, that should be what you're looking for. I mean, is he following after God, after God's heart? Is he a person that respects the things of God? Is he a person that respects his mom? If he does all these things, I'll know he'll respect me. You have to look for these things. I'm almost done here. A mature guy knows that the person that can do the most damage to a woman's heart is him. And he takes that very seriously. Look what Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than himself. We read about this last week with respect to humility. But now we're talking in a concept or in the capacity of a relationship. I need to esteem my wife as higher than myself. Because if I consider her and I love her more than I love myself, I'm going to treat her well. I treat what I love well. So if I love her more than I love myself, I'm always going to exalt her. And when she loves me more than she loves herself, she's going to exalt me. So guess what's going to happen? Every single day, we're going to exalt each other. And it's going to be amazing because she's going to make me feel good as a man. I'm going to make her feel good as a woman. And we're going to grow healthy. And man, no matter what storms come our way, we're going to overcome them. And this is while we're courting. This is when we get married. And this is forever. This doesn't just apply to the first two years of marriage. Sometimes we exalt people during this honeymoon stage of our marriage, the first two years. And then after that, that's it. It's like our love dwindle. We try to exalt ourselves. We become more selfish. That doesn't work. Last but not least, be very careful about physical touch. Physical touch to the single people. Married people, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and the married people said... <laughs> The Bible only outlines two categories for Christian women in relationship to Christian men. There's only two ways to see a woman if you're a guy. Two ways. Either she's a sister in Christ or she's your wife. If she's not your wife, then she's what? A sister in Christ. And I'll prove it to you. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. 
there's no middle ground here. When you go on a date, she's not married to you. So what is she? Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what's going on on the second row over there. but <laughs> Look what 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2 says. Treat older women as mothers. And younger women as sisters with all purity. There we go. So if you're not married, she's a sister in Christ. Be careful with the wandering hands. Even if you're courting. God made things a certain way, and we'll talk about sex. We'll get deep into the topic. Because the Bible says that fornication, that's when you have sex before marriage, it's the only sin that affects our body. It says every other sin... Apostle Paul says this. Every other sin is outside of the body, but when you sin and you, and you commit sexual immorality, you commit sin against your own body. I don't want to get too deep into this before giving to Carly, but sometimes the people that want to have sex before they get married, well, they all want to have sex, but the people that can't control themselves, right? You'd be a weirdo if you didn't want to have sex. I mean, we're, that's our human nature. We all have hormones and we, right? But the people that actually do it and they don't respect God and they don't find ways to abstain from that, you find them then later on getting married and then all of a sudden now they're married. Now they can do it, but now the enemy is fooling them another way, trying to point their direction at other people. When they weren't married, they were having sex, but now they're married and they're not having sex. They're trying to look at other women or the ladies, at other guys. The enemy trying to disrupt everything that God created for a blessing. Sex is a blessing. God created it. If God created sex... It's because it's amazing. And it is amazing. Take it from me, single people. <laughs> it's good. God created it in a good way. And we got to talk about this in the church. Because if we don't talk about this in the church, then you'll settle for what other people's lies and you believe them as truth. No, God created sex. It's amazing. in it's time. Because if you get something out of its context or out of its time, you're messing with it. And that's what the enemy does. He doesn't create anything. Satan is not a creator. He's a manipulator. He grabs everything that God does and he changes it around. And he tries to mess with the order. First Timothy, I close on this before I pass it on to Carly. If you want to start coming on up, babe. First Timothy, treat older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. With what? With all purity. When you go on a date, treat that person as a sister, just like you would to a sister, with all purity. Amen. Having said that, let's put our hands together and let's receive Carly for all the single ladies. All the single ladies. Why don't we give it up for Pastor Jonathan? That was, that was really great. Adding the humor. You were funny today, honey. You have been lately. You're a blessing. I want to share six tips, advice for the single ladies, and I don't want to take too much time. If you have your notes, write these down for the single ladies. The first one being... First point that I wrote down is staying in holiness when you're single. That's so important. You know, God has called us to be holy when we're single, when we're in a relationship. And sometimes we can make the mistake of thinking, you know what, if God hasn't come through for me yet, I'm going to take matters into my own hands, right? And I'm going to seek in places where I shouldn't seek. I'm going to seek in people who I shouldn't be seeking Maybe that's when we sometimes make mistakes. We party. We start to date guys that we would never really even consider marrying. We sleep around. And we don't really realize that when we do this, when we take matters into our own hands, we're really hurting the one relationship that we do have with a great man, which is Jesus Christ. You know, we're pushing God to aside, And God loves when we're holy. God loves holiness. When we do this, it's we start to feel terrible because like uh, Pastor Jonathan was saying, God has an idea of what a holy relationship is, what marriage is. So God has called us to always strive for holiness. Don't look. You don't have to rush things and look into the wrong places. And you were talking about take action, but in the right way, within what the word of God says. I don't have to go out and look in the wrong places. I don't have to do things that are going to lead me to fall into sin. I want to live to please God and follow his commands because I know that when I do that, the word says that when we follow God's commands, the blessings, they actually, they chase us, 
right? And that's not only talking about prosperity, but I truly believe with all my heart that when we live to please God and we live in holiness, it's going to chase us. That perfect person that God has designed for us, which is going to fit us, I can share that with Pastor Jonathan. I had an idea and I knew I had a list of what I, and it just happened, you know, in a way that I was never expecting it that soon, but the blessing chased me. And, and I believe that for each and every one of us, Matthew 7, 6 says, we're going to read uh, the second part of the verse a little bit later on, but the first part says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy right? And we, you spoke a little bit about not being unequally yoked. And God says this, why? To protect us, to protect us. Because when we give of our time, when we give of our, open our hearts to people who are not in the same walk as we are, we become vulnerable. We become vulnerable to be hurt. So first point, strive to stay in holiness. Point number two, don't surrender in Spanish. No te rindas, right? Don't surrender. Sometimes many of us who are maybe here have said, you know, I've been waiting for such a long time. And sometimes we can even give up on meeting someone or maybe the idea of ever getting married because so much time has passed and we just feel like we don't want to take risks anymore. Maybe you don't want to meet anyone else. And we, we've just totally given up on trying any kind of way and you know, a lot of times people who, who fall into thinking like this is because maybe you've been brokenhearted. Maybe you've opened your heart and, to someone and you've been brokenhearted or maybe you felt a certain way about someone and that person didn't share the same feelings and you just feel disappointment. And, and we just literally, we lock our hearts and we put it in this vault and we just totally close ourselves off. And when we do that, we don't realize, but we're not just shutting down our heart just to, you know, foregoing marriage or give up on the idea of marriage, but we also, we lose hope. We lose joy. God has called us. We have to believe with all our hearts that God's timing is perfect. And when we think like this, it's you're allowing fear to come into your life. And God's word says that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of hope. I want you to know that if you are sitting here and this is you and maybe you've felt like this, have hope. The Bible says we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. God has not called us to fear or to even surrender and say, this is never going to happen because you know what, that we lose our joy, but to really know it's going to happen. How Pastor Jonathan was saying, you know, God's timing for me marriage is good. Finding a spouse is good. If it's good, it's going to happen surely in God's time. And I'm not going to surrender or ever let anything make me lose my hope or my joy. Point number three, never settle. Never settle. You can lower your standards to the point that nearly any guy can meet them. As single men and women, you know, usually we're prone to have like this, you know, super long, detailed list, and sometimes it could be a little bit, you know, unreasonable, but it's also possible through time when many years pass, when we don't see that this person who's going to complete this list comes around, we can actually make the mistake of starting to edit our list, right? And just, just slashing certain things and we're editing away. And suddenly we get to the point where the idea of a godly man just becomes, oh, you know, a man who believes in a higher power of some sort, right? We start compromising things that we can't compromise when it comes to something as important as marriage. I respect him starts becoming, you know, I think that I can put up with this. And we start making all these changes, but in the long term, it's not going to lead us to a God-honoring marriage, and Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, talking about never settling, the continuation of the verse, and this is, it sounds strong, but this is, this is the word of God. It says, don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. I want to tell you, value yourself. Don't settle. When God created us as women, God values you. God has placed inside of you integrity, honor. God loves you. You have virtue. 
And you should never settle for less because when God created you, God didn't settle. When God created you, he said, wow, I made something really good. And you should never settle for, you know, sometimes reading this verse, don't throw your pearls to pigs. When we enter relationships with a guy who is not a believer, who is not Christian, or a guy who maybe doesn't respect you, doesn't love you, this person, no matter how many amazing things God has deposited in you, it's almost impossible for that person to, to see it because it just doesn't mesh. I think about a pig, right? Doesn't want to be clean, always wants to be in the mud. And I want to tell you, ladies, you're not mud, you're not dirt, you are beautiful. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. Don't settle. Don't settle because God has something even better than what is even on that list. And kind of like on the flip side, because we were saying don't settle, sometimes for some of us, maybe the list is a little bit unrealistic, right? Maybe the list is really long. Don't let your imaginary expectation cross out every guy that approaches you. We have this long list. Give yourself an opportunity. You were speaking to the guy saying, you know, take initiative. Ask a girl out. Ladies, it doesn't mean that you have to enter a relationship with a guy or that you have to marry the guy, but get to know the person. And I can stand here and say so many couples that we've even married in the church that really when I think about it now, I'm like, these two grew up together, didn't even know it, entered into other relationships. But in the end, it was like God drew them and they could have maybe easily said, you know, I've grown up with this person. I was never attracted to him or I know everything about him. But, you know, don't cross yourself out to the idea. Don't think that maybe if you had one bad example with a guy in the past, don't think that every guy is going to break your heart because that's just not the truth. And we have to be, that's the importance of us being whole. We can't give into a relationship until we're not whole ourselves. Next point, don't suffer during the wait. Embrace this season in your life. I know that maybe the single ladies are sitting here and saying, that's so easy for you to say, you know, you're, but I've been through that point in my life where I was saying, when I can tell you, God has called us to enjoy every phase of our life and embrace the season that we're in. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, well, being single or not being in a relationship, it isn't easy. But I want to tell you, marriage at times isn't easy either. When you become a mom, there are certain things that are not easy. Is it a blessing? Yes. I want to emphasize that I've heard sometimes people say marriage is hard. And yeah, it's true. Sometimes you, you have to overcome. Sometimes we have obstacles. You know, with Jonathan, we've had to face, you know, sometimes adversity. But for the most part, marriage, God created marriage to be a blessing. God created our home to be a joy. Do we, have we faced obstacles? We have, but even then it's just brought us together. When God is the center, it's just a joy. You can allow your singleness to become the devastating, discouraging, and defining aspect of your life. You can let it make you feel unwanted, unloved, and unworthy. And you can even allow singleness, you know, to constantly haunt you in the back of your head. You're single, you're, you're not married, you're, it's never going to happen for you. You can feel shame. You can isolate yourself And really, that's only the enemy always wanting to beat you over the back of your head, you know, bringing that to light because God has called you to be at peace, be at joy in every single season of your life. Right now, if you're single, rejoice in this time. That time will come. The time where we, you have a spouse, where you have a home, everything in due season. Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 7 says, promise me, daughters of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. Till the time is right. God has a perfect timing for your life. God has a perfect timing for your relationship. God has a perfect time for that man to come into your life. But I love the beginning of uh, the second part of the verse. It says, not to awaken love. We don't notice, but sometimes we're the ones are trying to awaken it. We're trying so much for it to happen at a certain time, and we want it, and we want it, and we don't realize that we even suffer when we think about this constantly, and we don't surrender this to God and enjoy the time that we're, God has called us to live right now. Strive to always make Jesus the center. Like I was saying before, we can start to literally obsess 
over how we can get this to happen. And this isn't just in, you know, marriage, wanting to get into marriage or wanting to get into a relationship. I remember when we were trying to, we wanted to have our son, doctors would tell me, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. It's going to take a long time. It was like, I didn't see it. I would remember telling Johnny so many times, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't see this happening. And I would obsess over this about how God was going to do it, when God was going to do it. And, and it. and it wasn't until I literally just gave it to God. You know, God's word says, cast your cares onto me your cares. God cares for us. When I read the Bible that it says that God feeds the birds, the flat. If God takes care of those things, I think um, Javi was, was sharing that. God knows your needs. God knows your desires, and God wants to meet your every single desire. Rejoice yourself in God and have God always as the center. When we go out of our ways, we can even reach the point where we become desperate for something to happen in a moment or a time that isn't even God's timing. When we rush things, God is no longer the center of our lives, but some guy that we're determined to attract to fill his place. You know, may God always be the center of our life and not just force things, but as we were reading in the verse before, you know, God has a perfect time for, I'm not going to awaken something, I'm not going to seek out something. Am I ready for it? Sure, I'm ready. Maybe there's somebody here that has a desire to be in a relationship or marriage. And God knows that. And it's God's perfect timing. And you never want to rush something. And you were mentioning it, not be the person, the perfect person that's going to compliment you and is going to be a blessing to your life. And the last point is to always seek solace, seek comfort. I want you to know that God sympathizes with your singleness, maybe you're here and you feel like you're longing for this. God knows your desire. But I want to tell you your singleness or maybe this phase that you're living in, it doesn't define you. This does not define you. This is just a temporary season. You can allow your singleness to explain you but not identify you. You can allow your singleness to be an aspect of your life but not the essence of your life, right? The season that you're living in now, this isn't the essence of what you're going through and seek comfort knowing God's in control. God has my back. I tell you these words. I know that I'm married now, but I would tell these words too. I don't have a daughter yet, uh, but I know that someday we, we will. Well, you put it out there. We're working on it. I know that someday we will. And, and the best thing that I can tell her is rest assured knowing that God's timing is perfect. Don't rush things. I necessarily didn't go through this, but I know that um, Jonathan was sharing a little bit. Jonathan had, he tells me, I, he had the desire to get married. I think as soon as you turned 20 or like graduated high school, he wanted to get married right away. It was his desire. He longed to have a family, get married young, have kids young, and it didn't happen that way. It was God's perfect timing. God's plans are higher than our ways. They are. I longed for something completely different. I actually wanted to get married in my 30s and have kids like that, 35, and now I've been married 12 years, but I was receptive to knowing God's timing. I knew that he was the one. He was a man that loved God. The most important thing is a man that follows God's heart, a man that is close to God, that seeks God, and that's really what's been the rock in a relationship, Jesus Christ, and the fact that we complement one another even when we've faced trials, we've exalted each other. We make each other better. We seek God together. When I need a word of encouragement, I tell people, when I was sick, I didn't have somebody just telling me, you know, take a tie and an arg. No, I had somebody declaring the word of God over my life, and that was what kept me going. Seek out a godly man, a God after God's heart. And those are my practical tips for the single ladies. And... <laughs> Every season that we're going through in our life is good. We can determine ourselves to say, this is my season, regardless of maybe what I have now, maybe what I don't have yet. This is my season, and I'm completely trusting in God. You did a good job. Did she do a good job? <laughs> Amen. In the end, God wants us happy. I think that he created Eve because he saw a need, like we said today, and I think that she satisfied Adam's needs. And you have to know that God has somebody for you that's going to make you happy. Amen. Know it. Know it. And let, leave the rest to God. Well, you know, 
the part that you can't control. But start trusting in God. Start waiting in his time. In the meantime, I always tell single people, build friendships with people, go out as a group, get to know a lot of people. And sometimes even out of friendship, you were mentioning something about, we used to have a leader in the church. Some of you guys don't even know who this is. That's why I'm going to say it. I had a student leader in our youth group when we were youth leaders. And he always, he would always be in the clouds. He's like, no, when Britney Spears was like, you know, super popular, he was like, I'm going to marry Britney. I declare it. I confess it. I'm going to marry Britney. I'm like, Lord, have you, I'm not going to say what I just thought, but, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to bring him down. So I'm like, oh, if that's your faith, you know, I'm going to marry Britney. I'm going to marry Britney. And then after Britney didn't happen and she married and she went crazy, he started saying, well, no, God's going to give me, I'm going to marry a, a blonde haired blue eyed from Vermont, from, you know, gringa, because I like American girls. And he ended up marrying Juana de Hialeah. <laughs> and... You know, sometimes you don't realize it, but, but they it's... They grew up together. They grew up together. They, they grew spent... up together. I mean, must have known each other. I'm going to say 20, 20 years happy now. But just being open. Exactly. Because sometimes we have like this list, but when God wants to intervene, you just have to... And it's funny because as they got to know each other, there would be hints at saying, wow, you know, this person knows yeah. me, she understands me, but ah, man, I don't know. She's not... She doesn't have blue eyes. She doesn't have... So sometimes we have... The list is a little bit too extensive, like you were saying, and you don't realize it, but right under your nose, God has the person for you. So open up your eyes and create friendships, you know, and sometimes out of a friendship, and that's the best Something thing that could happen, yeah. right? Out of a friendship, getting to know somebody, and you're like, every time I'm with that person, wow, I feel so good because that person, you know, understands me. We, we connect, we have chemistry, and, and always encourages me when I'm down and, and when I'm thinking things that I shouldn't be thinking, slaps me across the face and, and tells me things how it is and gets me back on. I've I'm never like, slapped wow. him across the face. Well, so to speak, you know, not literally, but, and that's, that's amazing. Sometimes we don't realize it, but right under our noses, stuff is happening and God is working and we can't see it. So it's so important to be open and humble. So stand on your feet. I think we've spoken enough. I encourage you to come next week. It's going to get better. We're going to talk a little bit about sex. We're going to talk about marriage, toxic relationships, and whatnot, a whole uh, range of other topics. But we want to pray for the single people, right? Yeah. We love to pray for you in whatever capacity. We're not going to do any specific calling, sir. Come on up. No specific calling, but I mean, if you're single and you just want to tell God, look, I want to do things right, show God by coming here up to the altar. And Carly and I, we want to lay hands on you guys. We want to pray. We want to declare that nothing's going to get lost, that that person that God has prepared for you will come. Amen? That it is a good thing to be married and that God sees your needs and he's going to create somebody that's going to satisfy your specific need to the T. Your need is not the same thing as my need. Carly's needs are not the same thing as, and there's a lot of young ladies here, but every single young lady has different needs and different things that they like and God knows you. He knows you by name. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. So he knows your needs. He knows what you desire. And God has the person for you. And it's going to be amazing if we do things right. Amen. So all the single people, I want you guys to come up here and I want to pray for you guys.